0: Welcome to Not Your Mama's Relief Society. I'm Annie Joy, and me and Julie are on a mission to teach the tools to help us to build a kinder Zion.
1: Join us for today's conversation, because there's always room on the pew for you.
0: All right, friends, welcome back. Today, we actually have a very fun friend that I don't know. So this time... What? i brought the friend today julie brought the friend <laughs> today julie turn. brought the friend today go
1: go go julie go 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 julie that's right at the beginning of all of our podcasts are all about how annie knows this person <laughs> she meets people everywhere but today it's my turn yeah. i am so excited to introduce you guys to chris Dody yells is that the way you pronounce the last name it is right okay yes. I just wanted to make sure sure that's um, there yeah well, I knew Chris just as Chris Doty, but now she has become newly married. How long have you guys been married now? <laughs> Seven years. <laughs> Seven newly married years. <laughs> Seven newly married years. That <laughs> newly to me because they did move a little bit after they were married. But yeah. And yeah. now she is Chris Doty yells. So Chris in, was in my parents' ward. I grew up with her. We <laughs> I did her hair for a while. True. We've been family friends. She's amazing, but I'm going to have Chris tell you a little bit more about Chris herself and all of her credentials and why we yes. decided to invite her here, because it's way more exciting, totally. and then Annie can get to know why I think Chris is so incredible.
0: I can't wait. I
1: cannot wait, friends. Let's go. Hey, Chris, tell us about you.
2: Oh, she. Believe me, it's not that exciting. <laughs> not true. <laughs> not true. Not true. I already know it's not true. <laughs> okay. Well, I've lived most of my adult life in Utah. And I went back to school, back to college as an adult when my kids were all in school. And so I graduated my bachelor's degrees in behavioral science from UVU. And then I got my master's in social work from BYU. And then I got a doctorate in social work from the University of Utah. So I've had a nice little tour of the Wasatch Front Education Institute. Yes. Um, And then I immediately got a job. Well, I did some clinical work while I was working on my doctorate, but then I, I got a faculty position at UVU and that's where I spent a lot of my time. And as part of my work there, I got to do research and this topic became a really hot topic, not only because of my own family, but also I had students that returned home early. And so we just kind of were talking about this and that's how the research was born. It was these students and me and shared experiences and we just wanted to look deeper at it.
1: Yeah, I love that So what Chris is here to share with us today, which I thought was such a powerful message is how we can better serve our members that are returned home early for missions so missions in our culture culture guys not doctrine right let's break it down missions are a huge rite of passage they carry a lot of weight and a lot of energy that like even if we're not meaning to you you spend your life progressing to that maybe for young women it tends to be like and then you'll get married right and for young men it's and then you'll go on a mission and yet for a lot of our youth, today, that's not really the trajectory of their life. That's not where it's leading and it may look way different. And some people that's really, it's really, really psychologically difficult for them to deal with that and to go through that. And then also, I think we have a little bit of membership, not quite knowing how to best embrace them back in and not, we don't want them to feel awkward but then sometimes maybe old school people are saying stuff they shouldn't say which we love to talk about all the things we shouldn't say to. we've done that one we did an entire episode of like the things you shouldn't say to people in the hallway like at church yeah
0: <laughs> but if you don't know them that well maybe I, don't talk about like having a baby necessarily yeah like let's not
1: question their fertility issues in the middle of the hallway yeah yeah so Annie and I interviewed Kelly Church, this fabulous woman who has been advocating for mental health, although she calls it brain health, which I thought was kind of fun. Oh, yeah. And she's talking about brain health, which I like the idea. We thought about how cool it was, just that like we focused more on brain felt like it was tangible versus mental health feels so ethereal. And what is that? And they talked about Jada having come home early from her mission due to like anxiety and depression. And my brain just went ding, 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 like, uh, I know someone who has researched this and knows a lot about this. So I'm so glad that Chris came. I'm so happy that she could be here with us and kind of speak to this particular part of our community and how best we can do that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your research and what led you to the research? Okay, I have four, I have five children and four of
2: those kids served missions. And two of them came home early and the first time it happened. It was, you know, it was really devastating. I didn't know what to do. No kids were coming home early at that time, and I was just really surprised and I didn't know what to do. And of course, my first question is, what did I do wrong? What what, mm. was wrong? what did I not do to teach my kids the gospel better that they would have done all they could to stay out? Um, mm. And then a few years later, it happened again with my second, with my, it's my youngest son. And he came home. He had anxiety also. And he gave a Herculean effort to to return, to get back out, only to be sent back home again. And it it devastated him. And I... (laughs) I was trying so hard cuz my stake president said let's get him back out let's not give up on this let's get let's get him back out. And so I really encouraged him but to the point where he ended up just going and moving out and living with his sister. And mm-hmm. and so when I a couple of years later I talked to the stake president and he said yeah we should have handled that differently. <laughs> so today, <laughs>
1: hindsight hmm. very 2020. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these people are going to go back. I think a lot of state presidents and bishops, I'm sure live the like next five years of their lives going, gosh, if I would have done that a little different.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. And as, as parents, oh, I have a yep. hundred thousand things. I wish I would have done different with my own kids, uh, but right. this probably ranks right up there because I really, I tried not to apply pressure. I was more like really encouraging, you know, come on, you can mm-hmm. do this you can get back out there, and it and that just wasn't fair. I mean, to be really mm-hmm. honest, I got I got to own that one. It just it just wasn't fair to him. And so he came home. He you know moved up there with his sister. And and meanwhile, I'm still at UVU. And I had a student come in my office, and he mentioned that he was an early return missionary. And I said, mm-hmm. well, tell me about your experience. And he, as he told me about it, it was very much like my other two my two boys. And I I thought, wow, this is like, hmm, not a pattern, because you can't say happening to three people, it's a pattern. But (laughs) but gave me room for pause. And it said, I want, I I thought, I really want to look into this more. And so that particular student, his name Zach Bullock, good, good guy. So he became my research assistant and we started in. So the, the two of us pulled together and interviewed 12 early return missionaries who told us their stories and I'm not, not going to lie. I may have cried a, a time or two listening to some of these stories. It was really hard, but I learned so much. And from those 12 interviews, we developed a set of questions and then we put it out on social media, put the, you know, the bitly code out there and just said, come on, any return missionary, share it. Let's go. We ended up with 248 responses. Wow, that that went all the way to the, that completed the entire, we had over 500 started, but only 248 went all the way through. So we were very excited to get, you know, to start looking at data. And we, we tore this data apart. We looked at it up and down inside and out, just because we really wanted to understand the experience. And we noticed too, that as we were doing a literature review to just kind of see what's already been written about it, there wasn't anything, nobody, looked at this so we were kind of breaking ground and and it was really exciting to do so i think by 2013 we started writing started writing up and doing the stuff that analyzing the data that we had and we had a pretty good presentation and then we started getting asked to share it and zach and i actually went up to the church office building and we shared it with the missionary department and they were so kind to us it was it was wonderful and we also shared it with the church research department. So, you know, the church was aware of the work that we were doing. And, you know, there were some people that were thinking that we were going to try to find the smoking gun that would take down the church. And it wasn't like that at all. We, we were both really compassionate for people that had this experience. And we just wanted to see what we could do to make it easier. So we we found some really interesting Outcomes of this data, and I'm happy to share some of that with you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so probably the most interesting finding was that three quarters of those early return missionaries felt like they had they have feelings of failure. Mm -hmm. So you know, when you think about that, wow, what would make them think that they were failures? And it didn't matter what the circumstance was that that brought them home; it was just that gee, they didn't finish. So that actually changed the way people treated them or at least their perception of how they were being treated at home. And so, boy, you put all that together and these kids were just getting deep feelings of shame. So anybody that came home with mental health issues now had judgment and anxiety and stress from all the people that are saying, wow, how come you're home? And probably the toughest steps they took were those first few steps into the chapel the Sunday after they came home. And they had to do all had to endure all of that, oh wow, look who's home. And the people looking and pointing and, and then having to answer the thoughtless questions like, How come you're home? You know, why are you home? Are you going to go back out? You know, some of those, you know, some of those things, and they're well-meaning. People just they want to know but those those are really hurtful to these kids that are coming home early and so you know we had the, these kids that were having really intense feelings of shame about 72% of the of the early return missionaries said that they wanted to serve they went out because they wanted to go and 70% said that they were worthy to go said they were not, that when they went out, they had unresolved stuff. And, you know, so that made it difficult for them, too. But for the most part, most of them felt like they were physically, spiritually, mentally, and and emotionally prepared. As they decided to go in the decision-making process, 72% of them said that there was a social expectation, that they were supposed to serve because that's what like you said earlier, Julie, you know, okay, the next step is you go on a mission, you know, Mm -hmm. and I, you can almost as a parent, just kind of click those things off, you know, I thought, okay, there we go, he's an Eagle Scout, okay, now he graduated from seminary, boom, next is the mission, and then the marriage, and, and then everybody lives happily ever after, and it, it just doesn't work like that, so I think the fact that three quarters of the early return missionaries felt that it was an expectation for them to go it was sad that only 57% of them felt a spiritual direction to do it so the mm. spirit guided only 57% of them to actually go so you're looking at 43% that are going okay why am i out here or just saying i believe it i'm going by faith and hopefully i'm doing the right thing yeah so you know we had one guy that that said to us, He said, we have youth in the church having that pressure. And they're saying, you know, I don't know if the mission is for me, but you have so much social pressure, you have to go. It pushes you to go when you're not really ready. Despite what the church says, that social pressure is still there. I feel like a lot of times that is more influential than the
1: spirit. Mm-hmm. And he's right. I would think too, that social pressure sometimes is loud enough. It'd be hard to feel the spirit like, cause you've got the mix of that. Like, cause sometimes like I've seen some people be really frustrated that maybe they decided to be stay at home moms and they feel like the church has like forced their hand a little. Right. But I feel like I made the decision to be a stay-at-home mom and I really appreciate and love that opportunity to do that. So I do think that sometimes what we feel we need to be doing instead of like us really leading that, leading the driving force and learning to trust our own gut, we, if we don't allow, and we don't, don't teach our children, if we're not able to help them figure out how to do that, then they'll continue to make decisions for social pressure, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. But if we're not focusing on that relationship with revelation, then it's going to be really difficult to know what are like what yeah what is the pressure what is the spirit what are my Yeah what's thoughts? the pressure what's, yeah, yeah wh- which one is it like to be able to determine which voices in your head so chris what i'm wondering as you're talking about this is the people that you were able to get the quizzes back from the demographic was it a younger population were you able to get anybody that's older that have returned from a mission early
2: there were a few, what was really interesting is I'm trying to think of how I did the, the demographics on this. I focused more on what brought them home with the reasons yeah. were, rather than age. But once I, I got the research out there and people reading it, I actually got mail from older people. I mean, people like in their fifties and sixties who had come home early and had carried that burden for years of not, as as we say, successfully completing a mission.
0: Right, right. Reason,
2: they came home and, and some of these people were carrying guilt and shame for years because of that.
0: And that's what I was wondering about was that if people might say, oh, because well, I think I'm pretty sure I've heard this <laughs> from people of like, it's happening more now because... X, Y, Z reasons about like this upcoming generation and things. They make comments like that, right? And I'm like, well, but I I feel like there's got to be other people who are not from this generation that came home early or weren't able to serve that have some of those same feelings. And so that's what I was looking for. It was like, "Is, is that true? And it sounds like you got a lot of feedback from an older generation who couldn't express it the way we're more able to express it now that we can talk about it more now. But back then, it was just like grin and bear it, and no one talked about it. But that doesn't mean it wasn't happening, and it doesn't mean that they weren't struggling. It just, yeah. That, okay, that's what I was wondering about. <laughs> yeah. All the way back. <laughs> All the way back. Everybody's everybody's mad about it. So, just kidding. So, I mean, so if, that, if what your feedback is telling me is that it wasn't that an older generation
2: didn't experience it. They just couldn't talk about it. Exactly. So, it was a, it was a taboo subject. Right. We kind of we threw the, the window coverings off of it and showed it to the world. And I'm always glad that we did that because for my own personal motivation, I wanted to understand how my boys felt. I wanted to understand what their experience was. and it and neither of them had really told me much until after the research was done and then then they shared stories, which was really nice. But, but yeah, it was just a taboo subject. Nobody would talk about it. You know, every worthy young man should serve a mission. And, and remember that talk by Elder Holland, where he said, we've just got to grab you by the lapels and shake you a little bit and say, get yourself together and and get out there. And the reasons why we're seeing more early returns now, society is very different now than it was you know, back in my age of the people my age that went and even I think probably just the last 20 years with the internet, with so much more is available in terms of information and how it's shared. And, you know, we just, we just see it a lot more, but also we've got people that are spending an awful lot of time on phones and video games. And so some of the social capacity isn't there. I started a study where I was interviewing released mission presidents and their wives and getting Information that way. And I remember one of the mission moms said, when I asked them, how can they better prepare to, you know, to, to get in the mission field? And she said, parents need to quit babying them.
1: <laughs> so, Perfect. <laughs> okay. Perfect.
2: Helicopter parents, you know, are, are a thing. Yeah. You just kind of have to admit that. But for the most part, these, we just hear more of it now because we hear more and we see more.
0: Yeah. But it it yeah. doesn't
2: mean that it, you know, and, and I just think society just harder. It's just harder for kids now.
1: Yeah. Do you feel like you have seen, like, I know there's been some church policy that's definitely changed. They've advocated way more for service missions. That's helping a lot. I know in Orem, we just became a remote location for service missionaries to serve completely parallel with the elders. So they actually like, they serve With them, they have, I think, even the same, they may have different mission presidents, but they'll actually go out on splits with the full-time missionaries, and it's a lot more of, like, what a traditional mission experience can look like. Do you know of any other policy changes that they've done?
2: No. I remember when they lowered, when President Monson announced the lowering of the age to 18 for boys and 19 for girls... You know, I, I was just putting this stuff out there and I was like, oh no, this is not going to be good, but actually it's not been a bad thing. I don't think they have any more of a, of a ret- early return rate with age lowering than, you know, they did before. <clears throat> I think these new options are better. Another thing that has been great is now missionaries are allowed to call home on P days. Yes. So I mean, these are brilliant changes. They're, they're, they're perfect for the times that we live in. I yeah. mean, it's really tough for, for kids to be able to text mom and dad anytime and then all of a sudden cut it off and you can talk to them on Christmas and Mother's Day. You know, yeah. it's just unrealistic. So, so those kinds of loosening of the rigid policies and also if they need a nap, they take one. And I think mm. that's fantastic because that's yeah. exhausting. It um, is. It's very exhausting. I can't imagine what it's like going door to door, having it slammed in your face and taking that for 12 hours straight. I, I just can't
1: even imagine. So yes, it's it not very, a good time. No, it isn't. <laughs> well, Annie they, did serve. Yeah. Annie served a mission in Chicago. So, oh, wow.
0: Actually, I'm wearing my Chicago sweatshirt. I did not, I did not <laughs> buy this in Chicago. I bought it at
1: H&M, but
0: I bought it because I I love Chicago because of my mission. But yeah, man, be able to take a nap? Goodness. Also, they don't have to wear nylons anymore. They can wear pants. I mean, (laughs) can I go again? Like, I would like to do a where I can take naps and wear pants and have a phone. And
1: (laughs) it would be really helpful, actually. Thank you very much. When they made that policy change of being able to call home on P-Day, I loved my experience with it because that first came out. And my rigid brain my rigid mormon brain of having been raised in the church my whole life went well they're gonna get distracted and they're not gonna be focused on the work you know i thought (laughs) this is where my brain was cycling inside and like so unproductive and then and then it was so funny because they came out and they said a lot of these policies were because the it was expensive to call and we couldn't give that offering to everybody and i thought oh my gosh, Julie, you are so dumb. We make assignments to certain things. Like we set an assignment of why a rule is a certain way. And we get so stuck in that. Right. So my assumption was they weren't allowed to call because they were focusing on the Lord and they were, and like, really, it was just that it was expensive. Right. Why do we, we assign these things and we make them these big things. And it's like, And the truth was, is what a blessing it's been. I had a friend whose son really struggled through a good portion of his mission. And those calls were his saving grace of just peace. It was his harbor. And he was able to call and just have some stability. He had really difficult companions and being able to call and have his parents. And I thought, oh my gosh. And I love having those moments where we go, this is not the gospel. This is not, none of this has to do with Jesus Christ. This is all the things that we wrap into a nice little bow. And we feel like that's great. And it's wonderful. Instead of being able to see that the effort alone of a young man or a young woman going out, choosing to go and do that is all that is required. Right. And them doing that and wanting to do that. The Lord is so proud of, all of our efforts.
2: Yes, remember the Lord loves effort. He doesn't yes, say it sure. has to be two years or eighteen months. It's effort, whatever that looks like.
0: For sure, and and, and uh, having served a mission, they actually did, Julie, talk a lot about it being about not being a distraction. Like that was a big piece of it, but I think it was more. But I think we've
1: done that. I think we created that.
0: Yeah. Idea. But I, okay, but here's the reason why I agreed with it at the time, and I actually still. In this context, I agree. Because from what I understand, it's more about, like, don't be telling the missionaries all these things to stress them out. Like, don't mm-hmm. put your home problems onto the missionary.
1: Sure. So, and I think that that is still... Yeah, because... if you've got a helicopter mom that's down helicoptering on their mission. Right. Like, <laughs> that's, not that's the thing. That.
0: is like, if there's drama at home or whatever, let's not be stressing the missionary out about that, yeah. right? It's like, so even now, I think that that should still be a boundary of, like, let this let this missionary call home and you guys be a support to them cuz they're they are trying to focus. They are yeah. setting aside the things of the world. They are setting aside their family life and their boyfriend or their girlfriend or their friends or their hobbies. They are being asked to set things aside and focus on being on a mission. So
1: Well, I had I had some friends who their sons actually said, "I need to call home less." So I've had friends I think it's kind of good for them to be able to relate what their needs are, but yes. to have the option there. So it was Absolutely. nice. Absolutely. I mean, I've had several friends whose son, sons or daughters, were like, "It's not working for me to call home this frequently. I need to pull back." Right. So I think but to
0: good. be able, like, for those that do have like a really healthy relationship with mom mm-hmm. and dad, relationship with mom and dad, and need that support and want to be able to chat and talk about those things, great. And like you said, they can kind of fine tune that to what their needs are but mm-hmm. that I still I still think that the intention of like let's not put our stuff on the missionary for sure still you know and that's kind of what I felt because there was a lot of stuff going on in my family at the time so for me it was kind <laughs> of a relief to like be out on my mission and not be hearing all the things all the time and to you know when they have that one phone call they're like we just want to talk about you we're not going to talk about these things we got one phone call you know and so like for me, I saw wisdom in that, in that regard. Yeah. When I was having a mm-hmm. hard time, it might've been yeah. nice to like call family, but to let it be a support to the missionary, not, not for the mom to be like, I miss you so much. I got to tell you my entire life story because I miss you so much, you know? And so I can. The truth is Annie would have wanted to call me. That's the reality. I was like, can I, I don't <laughs> want to call my parents. I want to call Julie. <laughs> can I call Julie? Can yeah. That be allowed? Thank you very much.
1: I get one okay. phone call. It's like jail. I get one phone call. <laughs> call <better> be- <laughs> okay, Chris. So from your findings or even from your own personal experience, what are some things that we can do? Because I do think your first initial response is going to be, has it been two years? No, it hasn't been two years. <laughs> and you don't want, so, so we always say, Whatever your first brain thought, your intrusive thought, let's give yourself a pause before you go to talk to somebody, right? And also, how well do you know this person? (laughs) Like, Is this really a person that you should be having an intimate conversation with? Or is that, hey, how are you doing? It's good to see you type of a conversation. What is your advice in your findings or even your personal feelings?
2: Well, okay. So there are several pieces of advice we came up with. And a lot of this was from the early return missionaries themselves, things that they wish they would have had or ways that things could have been different. So with, for parents specifically, my goodness, if they come home early, bring banners and balloons and friends and signs, all that cool stuff to the airport. Okay. Mm, I love that. All service needs to be celebrated, however long it was. You know, I I still chuckle when I think I won an award at the university for doing a 10 day deployment for mental health down in one of the tornado zones down in Oklahoma, 10 days. Well, gee, (laughs) a guy comes home after four months and he's shamed. I can't even imagine going and doing something for four months like that. So, you know, all service needs to be celebrated. I like that. the second one would be just listen and provide a safe and non judgmental environment for this missionary to tell his story. He's had some really good experiences. Two thirds of the missionaries that we surveyed had had strong spiritual experiences on their missions. So let them share those, let them God. talk about those. It doesn't have to all be reduced to the early homecoming, there's still mm-hmm. so much more of it
0: yeah well that was what when we interviewed kelly that's what she talked about right was like she wished that her daughter could have had a homecoming like and really like be able to still have that celebrate it and have that moment because i love what you're saying they have stories to share and they their testimony probably was strengthened in lots of different ways and so they shouldn't have to hide that
1: light under a bushel they should still get to share it can you imagine too how to have those things dimmed because of the shame, like that is the, that's the furthering damage down the line is because Mm -hmm. that will darken those light moments they had Mm -hmm. instead of them being able to share it and continue to share that light. Cause we've been talking about testimonies and how important it is for you to like pen to paper or mouth like brain to mouth and actually saying your testimony, but for them to be able to share that light and those moments is going to make it resound deeper into their soul of the experiences they did have.
0: Yeah. Yes. Well, because and so- Satan is going to try so hard to, I mean, he knows that he's not dumb he knows that we have this culture of shame sometimes and that that's there so you don't think for one second that the second that missionary like hops off that plane or even the moment they know they're going home not even the plane the moment they know they're going home early you don't think Satan's not swooping in with all the things of like see it didn't even matter see those things are not true blah 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 like he's going to swoop in because he knows that he's really good at his craft so if that's the case then we need to be wrapping our arms around them and covering them in light and saying, thank you for serving at all. Like, thank you for going out there. Thank you for having courage. Thank you for loving Jesus Christ enough to go talk about him. Whether it was for two weeks or for two years, you went and talked about Jesus. So high fives, pal. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: I, I couldn't agree with you more. And a wise bishop will remember that. And when, you know, this early return missionary comes home that the bishop will bring him into his office and say, share some stories. And would you like to share some of these stories in sacrament meeting Mm -hmm. and give the homecoming address if worthiness is not an issue? Because there's not a reason to. I mean, they've got experiences and, and those are the things we need to focus on. And for crying out loud, the best piece of advice we can give for parents is stop pressuring them to go back out. When are you going back out? Let's get you to the temple. If you go to the temple every day, then you'll feel better about going out. Let's get you on some medication. Then you can go back out. It's not about going back out. It's about letting the missionary figure it out. If they mm-hmm. want to go back out, feel like they can, they'll work through it. My sweet boy that went out twice, bless him. When it came time to, the th- to do the third time, it, he just didn't have anything left. And I cannot blame him one bit and oh I still kick myself I wish I would have handled that better and he it was sad because his young men's president he told me a couple of years later his young men's president never spoke to him after he came home and I said well, how do you really what and he ran into him at a grocery store a couple of years later and the young men's president said I'm sorry I didn't say anything I didn't know what to say I had no idea what to say. So it was better to just not say anything at all. Well, it isn't. It isn't better to not say anything at all. Just best of all, just to say, welcome home. We're glad to see you. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. Like make yeah. a t-shirt.
0: Welcome home. We're glad to see you. Like that's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> like, that's all you gotta say. Yeah. Because I can understand that feeling of like not knowing what to say and If you're labeling the worstness, it's like saying something rude is probably the highest level. Second level (laughs) is saying nothing. And then like best level is like saying, welcome home, we love you. So I can understand the feeling of "Well, I don't want to say something that's going to hurt them. So I better just shush my mush. So for sure. But again, this is what we have this platform for. It's like, here's some things you can say so that you can feel like you are equipped with a tool to know how to handle it. And also... I bet a lot of people, like you said earlier, they have good intentions, but they just they just don't know. Like if you haven't experienced a mission, if you haven't experienced coming home early, then it wouldn't even occur to you that that would be hurtful. Mm-hmm. Like it's definitely not malintended because they just don't know that that is scary and hard, and they don't know that that what that feels like to have that. Think about walking around feeling like you're a failure. But what's cool is that we can say, okay, for those listening, you may not know what it feels like to come home early from a mission, but have you felt like a failure before? Probably like we can always relate to the emotion, right? Like I don't I didn't return home early. I served my full 18 months, but I have felt like a failure lots of times, many, many times in my life. So I can understand the feeling they're having. And yeah, I certainly wouldn't want to show up to church and have my quote unquote failure be thrown in my face. That's a no thank you. So but also you've said twice now like you wish you'd done it differently. But here's the thing, my sweet Chris, is that (laughs) that's all you knew. Right? And that's how we learn if we do something we're like, oh man, that didn't go well. So next time, and maybe there's not a next time, right? Because like your kids went and they're they're not going again, but because of what you went through and because of the things that you understood in that growth process, you're now doing research to help so many other families. Mm -hmm. So we can always say, oh my gosh, I wish I'd done this differently. I have a very long list myself on many things I wish I'd done differently. But I just love that you have taken those mistakes are those things that you wish you'd handle differently and you're now making something so beautiful for other people so hopefully they can have that information and do something differently but that's what that's about right it's like figuring out the things we can do differently next time and to help other people so I'm grateful I haven't necessarily had this problem where I walked up to someone's like why well, are you home early you know but I'm sure it's gonna their opportunities will present so I, I'm grateful for this to know what can I say so I don't see something stupid. Yeah, welcome home, glad you're here. Yep. I really am making yeah. sure it's happening. This says welcome home, glad you're here. Glad you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. You want a few more suggestions? Yeah, I would love Absolutely. them, yes. mm-hmm. Okay, so parents don't take the situation personally because it's not about you. It's about It's about them, so make it about them and be really judicious about how you're going to share that news with family or close friends about the situation. Not everybody needs to know the dirty laundry. Even when you go out to lunch with your dearest, closest, dearest friends, and these are the people you'd share everything with, just be judicious about it. Remember that our kid's dignity deserves to be, to be held. Perfect. And parents don't worry about the embarrassment, the judgmental parts of our culture. Those are Satan's tools, just like you said earlier, Annie. That's what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to be judgmental and unkind and all that kind of stuff. But if your missionary is really struggling, get them some help. And fortunately in Utah, LDS Family Services will, they give a certain number of sessions at no charge for early return missionaries. And they also have some groups that Where these kids can kind of get together and and talk about their experiences. So, you know, that's beautiful. Don't don't be afraid to say, hey, would you like some help? Do you want to talk to somebody? And that's awesome. Therapy is an important thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. Everybody therapy. Please. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. With leaders, tread kindly, but don't step on eggshells because tiptoeing does the most damage one of the young men that we interviewed talked about how hard it was to come home because it happened so fast. And he said it was like ripping out an IV. So he missed all Mm -hmm. those developmental stages that you have on a mission, like, you know, burning the tie and the shirt and, you know, all those kinds of things. And so then he comes home and, and nobody knows what to say so leaders and other folks you know go ahead and engage in appropriate conversation about it and, and don't be afraid you know <clears throat> and if you're leaders ask the parents how they can help ask the ERM what they need in in social work we have an old saying if it's about me not without me so rather than the ward council sitting there and talking about this young missionary Let's have the ministering brothers or the bishop come on over and say, hey, we're so excited. What can we do? How can we help you? Would you like a calling? Do you want to go to the singles ward? Whatever it is, you know, find out what they need rather than worrying so much about what to say or how not to offend better to just focus on moving ahead and happy stuff and positive encouragement. That'll make such a big difference.
0: Well, and cool what you're saying that like, if it's about them then they should have a say in that. Like instead of us trying to decide for them what they need, get their input on what they need. That's really valuable.
1: I also think that we need to honor everyone's agency in where they're at. So I have a young man who I cut his hair and his older brother served a mission. And I I try not to really ask Oh, when you serving your mission, you know, those questions, but I, but I saw him frequently because I was cutting his hair really frequently and said, how are you doing? What are you up to? What's going on with your work? You know, and stuff like that. And slowly, just probably a month ago, he was like, I'm, I need to come and get my hair cut. I'm going to go do a service mission. And I just got so excited. And I asked him all the questions that you would ask somebody else that was going to South Africa. Right. And everyone's like, not even the boy who got called the Pocatello, which is unfortunate for everyone, but like, you know, it's the coolest experience of his life. He gets to go to South Africa or wherever it is. I took it very seriously to just ask him, what are you going to be doing? Where are you going? Are you, is there anything you're nervous about? You know, like, Oh, what are your requirements? Do you have to wear the same kind of stuff? Oh, that's cool. Oh, so like you'll come home every night. Cool. You know, and just like, really bolstering up. What a cool experience that this kid chose to still serve and to put in this effort. I, I don't know if I would do it. I mean, it's wonderful as a woman because we have not had that social pressure. I think the women that went and served, I mean, you do get a little, if you haven't gotten married yet, right. You get a little social pressure of like, well, you're not married and you're almost 21. Now they don't as much now. Cause you know, most people aren't married by 19. So a lot more choosing to go, I think, but But I think like, I did never feel that pressure. And I can't imagine if I did feel that pressure and then choosing something that was a little bit different, but I just wanted to get excited about where he was and what he was doing. And I think that's a huge preventative thing is to understand that like, for no matter what, no matter what their choice is, they're going to go to school. They're going to be in their parents' basement for a while. They're going to go off to college. They're going to. Live at home and go to college, whatever it is. This is a huge part of life. Spreading your wings and flying is so intense and scary. <laughs> like, the only thing I've ever tried to give advice to somebody is I say, listen, the reality is, is from here on out, unfortunately, you're an adult. I said, And the sooner that you start to embrace whatever that means for you, because adults get to do lots of cool things, too. Like you get to choose where you want to go. You get to live with these people or drive your car when you want to, or go to the grocery store or overeat food you shouldn't eat. Like you are an adult, right? You get to do all of these things. And the sooner we sort of jump off that scary cliff and embrace those adult decisions, it's a lot more fun than like floundering in that middle ground of like I'm still a teenager, but I'm also an adult. And other than that, I'm just praising whatever decisions they're making that are moving them forward. You know? Yeah, for
0: sure. Yeah.
1: Okay, Chris, you got more for us? Yeah. You know, so
2: so many kids told me how the difficulty. I I keep calling them kids, and I shouldn't do that. These are men.
1: <laughs> just because <laughs> we're older, are when you're older <laughs> than somebody, they're
2: all kids. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we gave firesides about this when we first got the results. And one of the scriptures that I shared is in Helaman chapter three, verses 33 through 35. And this is because this is how a lot of these kids felt. And in the 50 and first year of the reign of the judges, there was peace also save it were the pride which began to enter into the church, not into the church of God, but into the hearts of the people who professed to belong with the church of God. And they were lifted up in pride, even to the persecution of many of their brethren. Now, this was a great evil, which did cause the more humble part of the people to suffer great persecutions and to wade through much affliction. So this is what they're getting when they come home. And so this is the counsel that, that we were giving them. Nevertheless, they did fast and pray oft and did wax stronger and stronger in their humility and firmer and firmer in the faith of Christ unto the filling their souls with joy and consolation. Yea, even to the purifying and the sanctification of their hearts, which sanctification cometh because of yielding their hearts unto God." So even the early return missionaries who are coming home and feeling like they're not being welcomed or embraced, they can take responsibility for how they're going to respond to that. And they can double down on their spiritual efforts, keep doing those things that kept them strong on their mission, keep doing those at home. And blow off some of the unkind things that are said, and be proud of the work, you know, that you did. Do do what you can to just pick up and move on. That's probably the the best counsel that we had for the missionaries. But we tell the leaders also treat the early return missionaries the very same as those that serve the full time, because, you know, all service again should be celebrated. And in Utah. Often I've seen in in wards or in stakes, high councilmen will take a recently returned missionary and they will kind of visit the wards over the next several months. I know my kids did that with the high councilman. So send the early return missionary too. I mean, there's no reason why they can't go out and share those experiences with other wards in the stake. Accompany the high councilman where worthiness is not an issue. Keep giving them every opportunity possible including a calling speaking going to the temple encourage them to go to the temple that's going to make all the difference for them
0: i love that do you feel like there's I, cuz i know we want to encourage missions but is there maybe some ways that we as we're talking to our youth like the ones that haven't served yet or might serve is there ways we can talk about it in a way that honors what the church teaches about missions but also helps them be prepared for them like a preventative way to make sure they feel they're worthy enough regardless of how much time they go on a mission or if they go on a mission or not like that doesn't mean they're not a good person and like my dad didn't serve he was in the national guard and he did not serve a mission and he chose not to and he talks sometimes still like like there's regret there but he didn't go and I'm like dad that does not make you not a good person you know and I remember in the MTC he would write me letters and be like I feel like I have to live vicariously through you tell me about it and what was it like and what are you doing and and uh-huh. we don't want I don't want that's- anyone to feel they're not worthy uh-huh. enough because they served or didn't serve a mission. And like you talked about that quote of ground by lapels and like shake them into I think from what I understand, I think that's more about like, if you're just being lazy, you know, and like being like, I don't want to do that because I don't want to give up my car and I don't want to give up, you know, I think that that was like the intention behind it was like. Don't just let the things of the world be more important than this beautiful sacrifice of spending this time serving the Savior, Mm -hmm. which is great, right? It is a really powerful experience. Having served a mission, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done, but it was really powerful in helping me learn a lot of relationship skills, a lot of, like, study skills, a lot of standing on my feet and preaching about the gospel. There is benefit, but I don't think I'm more worthy or more more enough than anybody else because I served, and so— I wonder if there's like a balance in how we talk about missions that still reverences how powerful of a service it is, but also make sure they understand that if you don't go, that doesn't mean you're this tear waffle person and you've failed
2: Jesus because you didn't go on a mission. Well, first of all, we have to recognize that the brethren in conference and in state meetings, they're always going to teach the ideal. They're never going to say, hey, go out. And if you only serve four months, hey, it's just fine. They, they can't do that. Right. So they understand that they, they will always teach that we've got to do everything that we can. But the onus fall, falls on us in the wards and in the stakes that when we see these young people who are approaching missionary age, instead of approaching them and saying, hey, when are you going to put your mission papers in? Or, you know, are you going on a mission? I've taught myself how to approach it differently. And so I ask these kids, So what are your plans after high school? And I had a a young man just the other day that I was seeing in therapy. I asked him, I said, so what are your plans after high school? And he said, I want to work and get a car. I said, "Okay," And we, we talked about that, and he was telling me his interests and that kind of thing. I didn't even bring up the mission at all. So that's really kind of what we ought to do. If they bring it up, sure, we will cheer them on and be excited for them. Let the parents decide how they're going to approach gently encouraging them to go. But as members, our role is just to say, hey, what are you doing? We care about you. Whatever you decide doesn't matter. We love you. We think you're wonderful. You know, choose the right. See ya. Peace out. Whatever. Right. right, which
0: which is so good because if the spirit is what teaches anyway, and if the spirit is the one that's going to, we really want that to be like the reason they go. Right? Is like because they really want to be there. Because listen, I've served in missionaries who are there because they got bribed by their parents, and it's not helpful for anybody. You know. So if we want the spirit to do that, then if we are creating a space where we're just like, love you, however you decide to just choose your time after high school, then then if they're not bogged down in the shame then they are their minds and hearts are way more open to hearing the spirit and to also, me,
1: to do that have you ever met a teenager who doesn't do something just cuz someone told them to so to me what? it's like <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's like that that could be even just bothering their brains are so i mean they're they're just forming still we're forming all of those things you know and if everybody's like Sometimes people are telling you to do it and part of you is like, well, maybe I don't want to go do that, you know, yeah. or well, I guess I'm going to do it because everyone's telling me to do it, you know, and I think just giving their brain space, like letting it be quiet enough that their brain has the space to do its own thinking about it.
2: Yeah. And let's you know, something that I really and let appreciate. testify, you know. Yeah. One of the things I've really appreciated about the new for the strength of youth program is that they are the new document that came out is that it, the focus now is on helping them make good decisions it's not mm-hmm. saying you got to do this 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 and this it's okay so what do you think about that what do you think the spirit's telling you to do I've heard several people say well look we can get tattoos now because it doesn't say in the for the strength of youth pamphlet that we can't get them anymore boom go out and get them Um, no, it's more like the Lord is saying, I trust you. I want you to consider the pros and cons. I want you to consult with your parents, your Bishop, you know, kind of make informed spiritually based decisions. Then you take it, pray about it. And then you make, you know, you make your choice. And I I really love how the church is leaning that way. Now teaching spiritual self-sufficiency. It's important for these kids because they are the generation that's going to lead us In a few years, probably into the second coming. I don't know. I don't know when that is, but it stands to... We can hope. One can can only hope, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That is kind of how President Nelson talks about the the youth battalion and that this is going to be the strength of what takes us into the second coming. So if that's the case, boy, let's teach them to be spiritually self-sufficient now and stop imposing our values and opinions on them let them consult who they need to, to make informed decisions and then pray about it and get the answer themselves. That's, what's going to get them to do things that, that are righteous. Those that want to go on a mission that really want to, they'll decide that for themselves, but those that are kind of on the fence, those are the kids that need to really decide and think it through and, and consult with parents and leaders, and then make that decision As a society, we don't need to do that. We don't need to influence them. And this happens a lot more in Utah. I live in Texas now. Nobody cares. You know, (laughs) nobody cares. We've had some kids go out on missions and we have a lot of them that just don't. And nobody cares. We had one that even got almost all the way out there, all the way through the setting apart and then changed his mind. Everybody loves him. He's in the elder school presidency. Now it's not a big deal. It's just different out in the mission field than it is in Utah. That social pressure is so much stronger there than it is anywhere else.
0: Yeah, for sure. I love that. So with all of your experiences and your research and the things you've been through, how has this strengthened your
2: relationship to Christ? Oh, wow. I I like to think that my research was inspired. We tried really hard to follow the spirit as we did it. I really felt good about how we approached it when we had the opportunity to speak in wards and stakes. And, and we did a stake training for a stake once. I mean, we just really felt like this was what the Lord wanted me to do. And it validated for me that I went back to school to get a doctorate because I, I really struggled with whether or not I should do that simply because I still had my youngest were in high school and that's a tough time. And so I really struggled, but I, I'm really glad I did it now because I really feel like the Lord was letting me do some work for him. And that has made me kind of feel like I'm an instrument in his hands and everybody needs to feel that everybody needs to feel like the Lord has a work for them to do. And I think this was mine.
0: I love Mm. that. I love what you shared. I love your insight. I love this idea that to honor and respect that the church is always going to uphold the ideal, right? They're always going to uphold the eternal marriage and going on a mission and the things that, yes, if all circumstances can work out, this is what we hope for and this is what we can shoot for. But then when the ideal doesn't happen, because it doesn't for everyone.
1: When it doesn't work out or when it isn't the ideal, it's actually our job as members to to embrace all of that and to go, yeah, we know I'm not the ideal either. Do you want me to tell you some of my stuff? (laughs) Let me tell you my honesty. Here's my honest thing, you know, like being vulnerable that we all see that, like, that's the real reality that none of us are truly the ideal that our pursuit is to join hands with the ideal. That's it.
0: Yeah. And do our very best. Like I met the ideal. I re- I returned home from a mission, you know, like I did that. We kind of like to not get caught up in the ideal and to just, again, focus on loving each other and all of us coming back to the savior so we can make it back home again is the whole goal. So whether it's because they t- turn home early or because they got divorced or because they're gay or because they lost a child early in life, like whatever the thing is, that making them feel Like other, that this is just another opportunity for us to reach our hands out and say, Welcome back. We're so glad you're here.
2: (laughs) Just like the Savior would do, He wouldn't care what the circumstances are. It would be embrace, wrap your arms around Him, be just so glad to see them, welcome them home, just like we want Him to do with us when we pass uh, across the veil. I love
1: Love it. Chris, you're
2: amazing. Hold you. (laughs) Get it.
0: You did it. You're amazing. See, I I concur. You are amazing. It's great. And so thanks for being part of our little podcast family and for taking time today to be on the show. So we really appreciate you so much. You're wonderful listeners. Thank you for being here. We know there's a lot of places you could
1: spend your time, but ours is the best. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. Okay. See y'all later. Thanks guys. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for being here today. If you like the podcast, the best way to support us is to leave a review and five-star rating.
0: And come hang out with us and join our community at our new Instagram at
2: notyourmamas.rs.